Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I wonder if uh, TJ's a country music fan. TJ, do you, are you partial to a bit of country music? Uh, absolutely I am. And, and I think uh, one of the greatest concerts I ever saw was The Highwaymen, which was uh, Johnny Cash, who I just absolutely loved. Uh, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. And I actually saw that at the big top. Wow. Um, you know, the, at uh, just yeah, at Mount Smart. And, and I, I just thought that was amazing. I saw Johnny Cash a couple of times. So he, he he's my favourite. Um, it's amazing how a lot of people are sort of just catching up with how good country music can be because of you know, what's going on at the moment. Yeah, I totally agree, TJ. I was talking with um, with Andy Thompson out here yesterday about it because he, he's up for it to, cut, to go along. And I just said that's like a, it's become a very young generation thing now to get into country music. It, it's a little bit more pop nowadays. Luke Combs is very much like a pop country artist, but uh, it's, yeah. ca- it's catching yeah. on. A bit like Garth Brooks. Yes. Um, and, you know, I do, I do quite a lot of online quizzes. Amazing, uh, you get the music quizzes, Garth Brooks. Um, is, is a name that just sort of pops up. Very similar sort of thing. Uh, the, the, the number of um, you know records, albums, or whatever you know that he sold. Shania Twain's obviously another one, but to me, I know it just sort of goes back further than that. And I, I just, as I say, I can I can never go past uh, Johnny Cash. And if you, get, you know Johnny, look on YouTube, Johnny Cash and Chris Christopherson singing "Sunday Morning Coming Down." It's just one of the best things you'll ever see. There you go, straight to YouTube for me after the show. TJ, uh, let's talk a little bit of rugby. Um, let's let's just quickly uh, brush over the game uh, on the weekend. Bledisloe two for the All Blacks. They sort of last hit out before they play uh, that game at um, Twickenham, and a, a shaky sort of first forty minutes for a team that was full of changes. But it feels like that sort of game, maybe 12, 24 months ago, TJ, is the game that we probably would have lost. Possibly. Um, I think it, you know, firstly, it was really worthwhile playing. You know, people talk about dead rubbers and stuff like that, but I, I, I think it probably answered a couple of questions. One thing it did say to me was that I think uh, Richie Maunga is now sort of far and away, uh, you know, the, the number one choice at, at 10, and, and Aaron Smith as well at nine. I don't think either Finley Christie or... Um, uh, Damien McKenzie had, had great games, but hopefully the experience of that uh, will be really good for them going forward. No one you know, ended up playing the way out of the All Blacks. I thought of the, the new guys they brought in. Sammy Penny Finau was really impressive, got stronger and stronger as the game wore on. I think is very unlucky not to be in the World Cup team. And I thought Sean Stevenson, I know a lot was made of the fact that a couple of tries were scored down his street early on. I, I wouldn't sort of blame him entirely for that a, at all. And I thought you know, as the game wore on, he just showed those little things out of the ordinary that he's capable of doing. So he's another one who's unlucky. And I, and I think probably, um, aside from the guys who are injured, of course, um, the other the other one, I, I think Brad Weber, on, mm. on the balance of it all, I think he's pretty unlucky not to be in that mix as well. I know you um, you spoke with Steph sort of about it a little bit on Thursday, but do you think um, you know, there was any chance whatsoever for any of those individuals to play themselves into the All Blacks in that game? Or do you think it was pretty much set in stone and it was more just... Oh, yeah, I, I think uh, if if they hadn't got to that stage and didn't have most of the team penned and if not penciled and uh, probably something, you know, there'd be a few things going wrong. And in the end, it probably came down to 
uh, you know, who do we leave out rather than, you know, who's forced their way in, which mm. is probably a better problem to have. Uh, I suppose that the, the, um, the disturbing thing or the concerning thing was the injury to Brody Retallick, uh, which a- again makes the selection of the team just a little bit, um, sort of a bit puzzled by it really, you know, they could have done with at least another lock capable of, uh, sorry, loose forward capable of, play, of playing lock, which yeah. in my opinion be be female. Uh, but they just got to hope and trust the medical team. They've got a great medical team. They've had the same guys there for a long time. Uh, that they'll come right. Remember, Kieran Reid, I don't think, made an appearance until midway through the 2011 tournament. And Brody Retallick again, I think, missed the first three games in, in 2019 as well. So, you know, they'll just want to get him right for the business end. Uh, and, and look, that the other guys are playing well enough, but so they wouldn't want another injury there. Mm. Uh, what do you think Eddie Jones to get out of that game, TJ? Oh, look, you know, I'm, I'm sure it, it will have helped him. And probably um, a bit of hope, that, you know, the way they started, that the thing is they've been able to play well in patches, but they just haven't been able to sustain it. And that, that to me, is a, a big problem. And I just think they're lacking maybe in some some areas just a little bit of that seasoned, almost sort of a killer instinct, um, that when you see a chance, you've got to take it and, and you got to keep the foot on the throat. And, and that's what they haven't been able to do. Uh, Australia names their team tonight in Darwin, of all places. Mm. And there's some interesting speculation. Um, I um, get a lot of my info about what's going on in Australia from the Raw, which I think is a really good site. And the um, speculation there is that Michael Hooper is not going to make the cut. Uh, the comments that Eddie Jones has made about his fitness, uh, and there seems to be some doubt as to whether they'll risk taking him, which I think is a big blow because mm. you know, Hooper's a very good player, but he's also a leader uh, in that team. Uh, and a couple of others tipped him. You know, Tom Wright, which tells you how far things have sort of been tipped up in, you know, from Eddie Jones's original plan. Tom Wright was originally the first choice fullback. There's talk that he won't even go. Uh, and possibly Pete Samu as well. So, look, I, I think um, they've, they've got uh, the talent there to do well. And I think we've we've seen sort of flashes of that, but to me, it's just the risk of having having Eddie Jones come into the piece so late, and with his tendency to try and you know overturn things, change things dramatically. Whether at the time frame is going to allow them to be able to hit peak form for the World Cup, I think that's the big question. Mm. I wouldn't worry too much if I was them about their results so far. No, um, you know, because really in the end. It's going to come down to what what they do at the World Cup. But how, I guess, how far down the picking order do they slide without Michael Hooper? Well, yeah, it, it's it's a big loss because, uh, having said that, I think Fraser McWright is a, is an outstanding, you know, classic open side flanker. He's fantastic at the breakdown, and I think Tom Hooper has shown himself. I think he's the answer for them at at, at six, and so you've got quite a nice balance there with. Uh, Hooper, McWright, Valentini, all bringing different things. It's just the experience and the leadership of Michael Hooper, you know, player held in pretty high regard by those he plays against. Mm. All right, well, let's keep it down in the uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, TJ. We talked a bit about the All Blacks, the Australians, the South African, the Springbok side named uh, on Monday as well, and some very big omissions for them in the form of uh, Andre Pollard, Lacanio Arm, Lou Di Yaga, who have sort of been put on standby, the extended squad. What, what have you made of the Springboks 33? Yeah, well, you know, if I thought that the All Blacks were, you know, perhaps overdoing it by taking um, 
six props, a uh, heavy platoon of wingers, but I, I think a loose forward uh, short. Uh, you look at the mix of the South Africans, it's, it's almost bizarre. <laughs> They've named four halfbacks. Um, Libok is their only specialist fly half, although I'm sure that Willemse, um, you know, they, they believe that he's got the capabilities of playing there and he's played a lot of rugby there. Um, five props, two hookers, plus Dion Furry, who's he's a, he's played a fair bit at hooker, but these days tends to play more as a flanker. So that's an interesting one. But as you say, I think the talking points are who's not there. Yes, Sia Khaleesi is there, and obviously it's very important. He is such a talismanic leader, but there has to be doubts about whether he's going to be fit enough to play. And then you take out Pollard, who to me is the key man in the Springbok side, uh, because he's been to two World Cups. He's a seasoned game um, engineer. He's a very good goal kicker, knows how to handle big pressure. I think that's a massive loss. I think Arm is a massive loss as, as well. Yes, they've got really good midfield backs, Dialendi in particular, Bethaden, but but Arm has, has just been all class in recent years, and he's tended to play particularly well against the All Blacks. And then Lua Tiaga, well, yeah, they have got um, you know great big, you know, massive, uh, tight, loose forwards on tap in South Africa. But even so, this is a guy who would have been heading off to, I think, his third World Cup, and so they lose a bit of experience there. Uh, you know, so I, I think those are three really, really heavy blows to South Africa. We know what they're going to play like, um, but whether or not um, they're quite the threat to, to, to go back to back that they might have been if they'd been at full strength. Mm. Uh, I think it's questionable now. Yeah, and they won. They obviously lost their, their, the opening game of, uh, of 2019 and then went on to win it. Now, the, the, the first game at this World Cup is against Scotland for them. And when we did our little World Cup predictions in the first hour, uh, TJ, a lot of love for Scotland to, to maybe upset them in the first game, uh, a win against France over the weekend, albeit a, a very understrength uh, French team. But, you know, first game of the tournament, you've got, like you said, a couple of key names out. Could, could Scotland maybe tip them up in the first game? Uh, it's a possibility. Uh, I wouldn't read all that much into that game. I mean, it was a, you know, Scotland were pretty close to full strength and uh, France were nowhere near it. Um, France do have a, a bit of a habit. I mean, I think the last time they played uh, the World Cup in France, they were beaten uh, by Argentina in the first game. So, you know, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a possible thing, um, you know, that there's often sometimes an upset in the first game. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... Uh, Look, I, I still think South Africa to go through. It, it's a funny thing, but you know, you look at the the, the draw, um, and the All Blacks are, you know, as long as they get through, are likely to play either uh, South Africa or Ireland. I think you'd probably be, and with no disrespect to the Springboks at all, but you, you know what you're going to get. In which case, you know, maybe you'd prefer to play them in the first game. Mm, true. Uh, sorry. In the quarterfinal, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about the um, the Pacific Island teams, um, TJ, and another one that people circled out in Pool C was Fiji. Think that they might be able to cause a little bit of an upset, and they've won a few games on the trot at the moment. So they Fiji named their squad a couple of days ago. Uh, I, I think have Tonga named their squad as well. Um, I'm just searching up here. I'm not sure if they have. No, but... I don't. I don't think they have actually. Um, yeah, it's interesting uh, just looking at the the rest of the Southern Hemisphere team. Obviously, Argentina. I, you know, they, they tend to get it together really well for World Cups. Uh, mm. and, and 
such a powerful line, particularly their loose forwards. Um, so, you know, I think they'll be there in the thick of it at the business end. Of the other ones, I don't think Samoa have, uh, sorry, Tonga have named their team. No, I don't Samoa think they have, have, no. Samoa and Fiji no, have, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, look, to, to me, uh, you know, when so much has been said about the All Blacks coming into the, the Tonga and Samoa teams, but, but to me, Fiji has been the most impressive mm. of the Pacific Nations throughout that you know they were unbeaten going through the Pacific Nations Cup they've got some real firepower in that team and of course a lot of there is so many of their players now have the experience of playing in France in particular but also the UK bit of a surprise that Ben Volavola didn't make the the cut uh, Caleb Munson and uh Teti Teller will, will carry the 10 jersey responsibility. But the guy I'd look out for there, Yosef um, Mafi at centre. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a, he's a superstar in the making, that guy. Uh, Samoa, they came through second place in the Pacific Nations. And obviously, Charlie Palmawina, Stephen Luatua, uh, Lima Sopawanga and Kristen Lealiifano bring some seasoned uh, international experience there. Tim Nanai Williams, uh, unlucky, he, he, he didn't make it, I, I I guess he's not. Uh, he, I guess he's not fit. Um, interesting thing about uh, Samoa. It was a bit of a messy announcement. They only ended up naming 31 players. Somehow forgot to name D'Angelo Leoila, mm. uh, even though he's, he, he's in the team. And they left one to be confirmed. And uh, you'd imagine that would have to be a prop. They've only named four props. They're all good ones. But uh, you know, whereas I say some teams have overloaded themselves with props, I think four. You go in four, uh, particularly into a pool that includes Argentina. England and Japan, you'd be taking a risk. And, and the other one, Tonga, um, look, they, they were really disappointing in the Pacific Nations, even with all of those rock stars that they, they brought into their mix. Falau, Pietau, Fekitoa, Fafita, Tamifuna, um, Sam Losi, uh, Solomon Kata, you know, they, they just haven't gelled yet. Mm. And uh, that, that, they'd better hope that they do, because um, they're in a tough draw. That Ireland, uh, South Africa and Scotland, that, that's going to be really tough. And you'd think that they'd be upset material with all those rock stars, um, but they haven't really looked like it so far. Yeah, it's it's funny. Just before we talk about the uh, the Northern Hemisphere um, teams, TJ, just looking at the pools, and I guess in World Cups sort of gone gone by, you'd have a clear sort of top two, and then you might get one pool or maybe two pools where you know a third name might be able to cause an upset. It really seems like C, B, and D have three teams that, you know, genuinely might be able to upset one another and go through. Like you think England, Japan, Argentina, Wales, Australia, Fiji, South Africa, Ireland, Scotland. It, it feels like it's going to be a lot closer, maybe maybe the closest World Cup we've had, certainly in the pool stage. Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, much has been made of the draw, and it is ridiculous that we've got the four top teams in the world on one side of the draw. Mm. That's not to say that it's... It, you know, it's an absolutely easy run on the other side. To me, that if there's an upset there somewhere, I, I think it could be Fiji over Wales. I'm, yeah. I'm just not sure about Wales. That obviously Warren Gatlin coming back into the fold—that's a boost in itself for them, and you'll get them well organised. But they—they they have been for the last few years an ageing team, and a lot of their ageing players have, have decided to call it quits ahead of the World Cup. So I, I think probably they're um, a vulnerable side. Um, Wales, just looking at the others, you mentioned Scotland, England, um, they'll be, uh, you know, as always, there's been a, a forensic examination of their team by, mm. uh, you know, in the, in the media there. I think the big surprises, uh, Henry Slade, the centre misses out, Alex Dombrin, number eight, not included. Um, but And they've gone back to um, some guys who've been around the block for a pretty long time. I mean, Dan, uh, I think Cole, 
Laws, Young, they're, they're going to their fourth World Cup. Clearly, Marcus Smith is not going to, 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 to run the cutter. Um, he, he's there, but they're going to go, obviously, um, you know, with, with, with the tried and true Farrell. Um, it's going to be a very conservative, a very structured collision-based game. I, I can't see it being particularly exciting to watch. Um, Ireland, I mean, they're they not naming their team until much later in the month. Yeah. Uh, I think they've got a couple of injury concerns. Uh, the thing that gets me about Ireland is how the hell do they get away with playing what's, what they're calling an unofficial match against Portugal and Johnny Sexton, who's supposed to be a band, how he's allowed to play in that game. That's yeah. just taking the mickey. Yeah, abs- um, absolutely. Yeah, and they've got games against... Uh, they've got an England and Samoa, I think, don't they, as sort of um, warm-up games as well. But, yeah, not naming their team till the 28th of August, TJ, which is which yeah. is cutting it very, very fine. And France aren't naming theirs till the 21st. So what – I mean, they're, they're really delayed. England clearly naming theirs this week. But, uh, yeah, interesting that they're, I guess, waiting so long. Yeah, um, I guess with France, I mean, that they're under no uh, time pressures because they, yeah, they've got their squad, they're training, they're at home. Mm. They don't have to worry about, you know, flying across the other side of the world. Look, there's absolutely no question in my mind that, that France should be carrying the favourites tag into this tournament. And, uh, and I know we probably think, you know, the All Blacks, you know, definitely deserve to be up there in the reckoning. They always will be. And But, but France really on the run of what's happened in the last few years they have they have to handle the the, the um, expectation that comes with being the home team and being the favorites to me even even with Ireland being as good as they have been I think France have been the best team in the world the last year and maybe two years that uh, they're powerful in all departments they've gotten to Pont probably the best player in the world at the moment and they're at home but uh, I would never ever uh, underestimate the ability for it all to blow up in France's face, mm-hmm. uh, for something to go horribly wrong, for the pressure to get to them, for them to fall out with the coach, whatever. Mm. Uh, and, and, and the other thing is they have a legacy at World Cups of turning up big for one game. Yeah. And they did it, you go back even to 87 when they knocked over Australia. They did it the All Blacks in 19, uh, 1999. Um, you know, that... They, they can come up with a, uh, and again in 2007, but they've never been able to win two big ones in a row. And the doubt about Ireland is that they've never been past the quarterfinals. Yeah. Uh, with the with the French team, TJ, um, you know, I was talking with someone out here yesterday about how sometimes we sort of get caught in a bubble here um, as sort of New Zealand rugby fans and outside of Antoine Dupont, you know, sort of struggle to name many other French uh, players, even though they are the number one side in the world. You'll know a lot more about them. I, I guess depth-wise, you know, if they were to lose... A couple of a couple of key positions. Are they a squad that has you know the depth to to be yeah to, to go deep if they did lose someone? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, obviously, um, you know that they've got um, a, a really strong core, but to me, they're, they're very big. Um, they've got a lot of size uh, in their forward pack. They've got plenty of options at lose. I think they're still you know very creative, um, talented midfield backs. Um, and, and a couple of really good choices um, in the number 10 jersey, which is important. I mean, I think Intermac is a terrific player, but he's not their only option there. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I, as I say, I think with France, you know, they'll always have talented players. It's just, 
it's whether those other things that sometimes come into it, and we know it only too well, the little things that can tip you up, little uncertainties or something going wrong. Um, but, but having said all of that, I still think uh, they deserve to be favourites. It, it wouldn't be the end of the world if the All Blacks didn't beat them uh, in, in that first game. In some ways, it doesn't matter. You're going to play either Ireland or South Africa in the quarterfinal, most likely. Mm. But the thing, if the All Blacks were to get up, and beat France in that opening game, then you just don't know that things could start to derail very quickly for the French under a bit of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, TJ, that's, that's the only doubt I've got about them. It's, yeah, it's it, you know, I I think they they should be favourites, and and if they can't win with this team, they'll never win it. No, and 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 it's a and it's a fair concern as well. Same with with Ireland because you know I was doing a little bit of research on you know they've lost uh, one one of their last fourteen games. I think I was reading. Um, so you know that's a team that is flying high. But once again, history not on their side. They've never made it past the quarterfinal. So I think those teams definitely have almost a mental hurdle to get over as much as they do the opposition in front of them. Um, and I, I, I was saying before, TJ, I mean, it, it does really seem like a very open World Cup. As much as France are the favourites and the All Blacks are going in under a bit of form, it's it's not like, I guess, um, World Cup's gone by where you've had this sort of one real favourite with a couple of challenges underneath. We've genuinely got, you know, four or five teams that are all, you know, capable of doing it. Yeah, and, and a draw that kind of can, can lay waste to, to pre-tournament favouritism because you just know mm. that uh, two of the top four teams in the world can't make it into the semi-finals. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Uh, you know, which you know, it, it's the folly of the draw, really. And, and world rugby has got this horribly wrong. Of course, the other thing that can come into it too is, um, you know, despite their efforts to to bring in the, the technology and what have you, you have a, a day where you know, the referee makes a weird decision or something like that or someone gets sent off and, and that's always the thing that'll give you the jitters about the World Cup mm. uh, as well. It's just, it's a, it's a rogue factor as well. But yeah, I agree. You go into the tournament, you'd say, well, look, there's, there's what, six teams just off the bat. Uh, the, the four that we mentioned, the top four that are on, on New Zealand's side of the draw, England, you know, can, can come through because of the way the draw shapes. Um, and, and I wouldn't rule out Australia either. Um, and, and, you know, so there's, there's six teams off the bat that are capable of, of winning it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, that's got to be good. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, TJ, before we, uh, before we do let you um, go, just a quick word on the NPC, which kicked off over the weekend. Um, aside from the, uh, the Canterbury-Northland game, which is a little bit of a blowout, it was a, it was a pretty competitive start. There wasn't sort of too many uh, big margins across the weekend. No, I, I didn't get to see all of the games, but I watched a couple of them. Uh, I watched the uh, Bay of Plenty Auckland game um, because obviously the John Drake boot, it means quite a lot to me seeing that game. And I thought Bay of Plenty, God, they, they had that in the bag and somehow managed to, to let it slip away. So Auckland will be happy to, to get that one. And then they've got another away game. Uh, I think they're playing Tasman this week, which you know immediately strikes you as a feature game. Tasman looked pretty good. In the first round, David Harvey only took 40 minutes to convince everyone that he was ready to, to go back into the All Blacks. Mm. So, uh, yeah, um, as always, you know, Canterbury looked strong. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Wellington, they've got the Ramfilly Shield. That always provides a bit of a, a, a boost to a team, you know, that, that just gives them an extra incentive. Uh, and if it comes to it, uh, I, I really would... Um, 
you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to the, the prospect of a, a Tasman uh, Wellington Shield game in a few weeks' time, if if, it, if they still got the Shield at that time. So, yeah, no, it was. It was um, I thought it was a, a pretty good start, um, but already, you know, there's just two or three teams are showing. Well, we're going to be tough to beat. Just before I let you go, TJ, what was the name of that uh, that YouTube again? Johnny Cash. Oh, Johnny Cash and uh, Chris Christopherson singing Sunday Morning Coming Down. It's a Chris Christopherson song. Um, and, and the other thing, too, is you, you can also, if you look at the, the Highwaymen, they did, uh, there's a couple of great uh, concerts that they did. Um, and I'd recommend that to anyone who's just sort of trying to find their way around you know, country music. Have a look at that. It doesn't get much better. Yeah, that's my education this afternoon. TJ, uh, thanks for joining us as always, mate. We'll, uh, we'll catch up again next week. All right, then. There you go. Uh, Tony Johnson out of uh, Sky Sport. They're great to talk rugby. We'll couple it at NPC at the end as well.